Brown Girl Radiance celebrates the brilliance of women of color through reflective conversations and stories. I'm your host, Pure Brown Joy. Hello to all of my radiant friends. I have so much to share before we kick off the next installment of the Brown Girls Abroad series. But first, let me start by saying Wakanda forever. Chadwick Boseman changed my life forever when he took on the role of the Black Panther. He went home to heaven when he passed away on August 28th. He was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016. I started thinking about his body of work because he's played so many iconic characters. And I went to look at his IMDb to see what movies he's been in since his cancer diagnosis in 2016. And I found that he was in nine films. I still remember seeing him in 2013 in the movie 42, where he portrayed the legendary barrier-breaking baseball player Jackie Robinson. He's played the godfather of soul, James Brown. He's also played Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice. Chadwick Boseman was intentional about sharing Black stories. Recently, movie theaters have been encouraging people to return, so they started showing classic movies at a reduced price with enhanced safety measures. I saw that Black Panther was a part of the offering, and I wanted to see the movie again. So the day before his death, Seemingly on a whim, I went to the movie theater with a friend and we saw Black Panther on the big screen, which is my favorite way to view this film. We had the theater all to ourselves, so we were having a blast and being very interactive. Many of you know that in 2018, I was so moved by this movie that I saw it multiple times. I was inspired by the beauty, intellect, and the strength of the women of Wakanda, which led me with a nudging from the Lord to start this podcast. I dedicated my entire first season to discussing the themes from this movie and how each woman was a pillar for the Black Panther. While I will always celebrate the women of Wakanda, in doing so, inherently, I will also celebrate Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of the Black Panther because he was a real-life superhero on and off the screen. And he celebrated those fierce Black women and their strength. And he knew that just like in Wakanda, Strong black kings and queens can rule together. I have watched many of Chadwick's speeches and he was always sharing many sermons. During an interview for the NAACP awards, he shared the following thoughts 
about purpose. The funny thing about purpose is it unfolds to you more and more every day. So you can be living in what was revealed to you in a particular time, and then you might get stagnated because there is more that you are supposed to do. It doesn't just stop as you do one thing. So I think it's just being open to what you are supposed to do at this moment without getting stuck in the past because purpose is not related to career. Purpose is not related to a job. It's related to what God put inside you that you are supposed to give to the world. You can do that in various different positions and forms. So it's staying open to what that essence is at all times. Thank you, Chadwick Bozeman, for fulfilling your purpose despite being in pain. I know that you are in heaven, which is the ultimate form of forever. While I'm celebrating black men who have served our culture through their pain, I want to also honor the civil rights icon, John Lewis, who passed away in July from pancreatic cancer. I saw the documentary about his life called Good Trouble, and it was so inspirational. He is an American treasure who spent 65 years fighting for civil rights and voting rights. He never retired. He started when he was 15, and he's done so much for our nation's progress, including literally getting a concussion from officers while doing peaceful protests and being on the forefront of lunch counter sit-ins. John Lewis was also an architect for the March on Washington. He authored the legislation for the National Museum of African American History and Culture, which is one of my favorite places to visit when I'm in D.C., He was arrested 45 times during his lifetime while peacefully protesting. And John Lewis was wise enough to understand one way that he could address the problems of our nation was to become a legislator. And he served in Congress for 33 years, even after his cancer diagnosis. He continued to serve our country until the end. I I think about his life and how I want to make sure that all his work is not in vain. The infamous quote that he consistently shared is, never be afraid to make some noise and get into good trouble, necessary trouble. Speaking of good trouble... I also have to give a shout out to the NBA for boycotting their playoff games in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Bucks led this movement in response to the events that happened in the state that they represent. Also the WNBA, the MLB, and Black Girl Magic 
tennis player Naomi Osaki also boycotted their games and matches in response to this injustice. Before they resumed playing, the NBA was able to get some progressive commitments from their leadership. For example, all of their home court locations, where possible, will become polling locations or host voter registration drives or become a ballot collection point. So the Staples Center will be a voting location and LeBron James, through his organization called More Than a Vote, he was able to secure the Dodgers Stadium as a voting location as well. I applaud these athletes using their platforms to fight for justice. And this is Brown Girl Radiance, and I know that I've highlighted a lot of men, but sometimes, you know, we have to celebrate them too. Before we dive into this episode, I do have a couple of black queens who inspired me this past month. First, Brandy, who released her seventh album called B7, and it's an instant classic amongst Brandy fans. Any of my friends who know me know that I love Brandy, and she is one of my favorite artists of all time. I went to see her on Broadway a few years ago when she starred in Chicago, and I had the opportunity to meet her after the show. The version of Cinderella with Brandy and Whitney is one of my favorite movies of all time. Also, the day after Brandy's new album was released, Moesha started streaming on Netflix. So I would say it's been a great month for Brandy. Additionally, the Instagram versus battle between Brandy and Monica will be on August 31st. So I am very excited about that. I could go on about Brandy, but I will wait until I'm able to interview her one day on Brown Girl Radiance podcast. So if you all know someone who can make that happen, let me know. Uh, additionally, I want to uh, make sure to acknowledge the beautifully stunning black artistry of the visual album Black is King by Beyonce. The music is from Lion King, The Gift, which is the album that she released last year after starring in the live action version of the movie. Right now, I wish that I could play the song Brown Skin Girl for for you, you know, right here on Brown Girl Radiance. It would be perfect. But I don't have Beyonce money yet. So for now, the lyrics will, will have to suffice. So I'll just say, Brown Skin Girl, your skin just like pearls, the best thing in the world, never trade you for anybody else. To all my listeners, I absolutely would not trade you for anybody else. And with that, 
let's travel to the next place on Brown Girl Radiance Airlines. We are going to Canada and I am going to be talking to Selena Rachel Mendez, who is a marketing manager for the Canadian Broadcasting Network, CBC. We are discussing the Canadian Black experience and, and many different cultural aspects, including the fight for justice, Canadian Black history, and the landscape of this pandemic. At the very end of this interview, we play a game, so you don't want to miss it. The guest that I'm talking to today, I'm very excited actually because this is my first international guest who I met actually a year ago at Podcast Movement. The episode that we did is called uh, Live from Podcast Movement. It's 20 minutes long, um, just, you know, spontaneous Black girl magic. I actually met her that morning and we recorded that episode in the afternoon. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, I highly recommend that you go back and check it out. And so this season, as we are celebrating Brown Girls Abroad, I thought it would be fun to bring her back on the show one year later. And so I'm excited to welcome Selena Mendez back to Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. I'm so glad to be back. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, before we jump in, I would just like for you to tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. From our chats, I know that you have a Caribbean heritage. So I would love for you to also kind of incorporate, you know, which islands your parents are from and the impact that that's had on you as a Canadian Black woman. Yes. So my name's Lena Rachel Mendez. I was born in Canada, grew up in the Toronto area for most of my life. Um, in a small suburb about an hour outside of Toronto. My parents are Caribbean, as you said, so my dad is from Jamaica and my mom is from St. Kitts by way of England. And as a Canadian Black woman, it's really, um, it's, it's kind of an interesting dance. I think, you know, a lot of people who consider themselves Canadian are um, Canadian and something else. Most of Canada is immigrants um, in one way, shape, or form. There is a really strong Caribbean community in um, Toronto, and it's actually impacted how people view Toronto. So um, you look at Drake, for example. Drake, to my knowledge, is not of uh, Caribbean background, But you see him um, really dive deep into uh, Caribbean and specifically Jamaican culture. And that is very true of a lot of people in Toronto. So um, I think that I had uh, quite a strong base for my Caribbean heritage um, being in Canada. But I also grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood So uh, that is a little bit different, right? I think, uh, you know, when I go to the islands and I talk to my cousins there, I don't really feel like especially Kittitian or especially Jamaican. But in Canada, I don't really feel especially Canadian either. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of straddling two worlds and I kind of 
like to think of it as its little own world where I can have uh, pieces from both. Because you grew up, you know, in a predominantly white area, do you feel like there were certain aspects of your, you know, Caribbean heritage that maybe you, you know, were not able to express as freely? Or do you feel like you had to try to, like, assimilate? Yeah, I mean, when you grow up listening to the Spice Girls and to, you know, <laughs> different little, like, you know, pop stuff, like, at yeah. least the Spice Girls had a Black yeah. girl in it, right? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you really get to listen to a lot of the music of your culture, right? Like, a lot of my connections with Caribbean heritage are through my parents. I didn't even grow up with um, many cousins around. Um, mm. so even even as far as, like, just sharing uh, different cultural things, like, I feel as though my cultural references for the Caribbean are, like, for people my parents' age. Um, and <laughs> so for people my age, um, like... For example, when I moved into the city, uh, there were a lot more um, people who were born in the islands who who moved here. And their cultural references are completely different and, of course, much more vast than mine. Um, But uh, I I think, yeah, you know, when you're a kid, you want to assimilate. You want to be like all of the other kids. And so, you know, they'll look at your, you know, Aki and saltfish, which is, you know, a, a national j- dish from Jamaica, or saltfish alone um, is one of the national dishes from St. Kitts. And they'll be like, what is that? Ew, it smells bad. Ew, it looks bad, right? And and you don't necessarily feel as proud bringing that to school when everyone else has their, like, you know, bologna sandwiches and, you know, um, like PB&J Right. So, uh, yeah, I definitely I, I definitely felt like there was a lot of my heritage that I missed. And I'm really sad about that. Um, but as an adult, I've tried to kind of reclaim that a little bit. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I think you, the the same, you know, would be absolutely true for African-Americans, as you know, through, you know, just the media, et cetera. And really, I think it is, you know, during our adulthood is is when we um, are able to kind of start exploring um, the African aspect of our culture more and really trying to dive into, like, who we are as, as yes, Americans, but, but also, um, you know, recognizing that our descendants were slaves and, and trying to figure out, well, you know, which, which country in Africa were, you know, where my ancestors from and just kind of going through that process. So, so yeah, I think it's, um, it's, 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 well, put it this way. It's like a North American, (laughs) uh, reconciliation process for, you know, for us as, as black people. And so speaking of that, actually, you know, oftentimes in the U S when we talk about Black history and, and we um, have celebrations, et cetera, um, we're, of course, um, discussing different African-Americans who have contributed to our nation. And I wanted to know if there are any Black figures within Canadian history, um, especially any women, since 
This is Brown Girl Radiance podcast that you think that we should know about. Yeah, so um, just recently, I would say within maybe say two years ago, we got a black woman on our $10 bill, which uh, was really iconic. And I'm so glad that I was um, able to see that in my lifetime. But her name is Viola Desmond. And she uh, is almost like the Canadian Rosa Parks, so to speak. Um, that's the best way I can, um, you know, relate her. But um, as opposed to it being sitting on a bus, it was um, a movie theater. And she actually uh, had had charges against her. Um, they basically said that she was like two cents short or something to pay for her movie ticket. But that was, you know, something that they had come up with after the fact and all this stuff. Eventually... Um, she she had uh, that expunged from her record, um, but it took a very long time. And, uh, you know, it, it was still around the same time of, um, you know, the U.S. civil rights movement. So, you know, there are a lot of Canadian figures. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Harriet Tubman actually uh, settled in Canada um, and so southwest Ontario I want to say and uh yeah so we have um a lot of shared heritage between the U.S. but honestly I'm not even going to lie to you Canadian history is so uh, it's so exclusive of blackness um you know there is a very rich Canadian history here we have had um black people living here for a very long time um, you know, there was slavery here. People don't know that. I, as a, as a Canadian who was raised here, was not taught in school that Canada had slavery. Um, and it only ended, I think, 34 years before US, the U.S. ended slavery there. And so it's just very interesting to me that we were never taught this. And, um, you know, it... I, I could go on a little bit of a tangent here, (laughs) but I think uh, this feeds into the idea that, you know, Canadians are so nice and Canadians aren't racist and all of this stuff. But I think that Canada just does a really good job of covering their tracks, which is kind of, it's almost like the most insidious, right? At least racism on the surface you can address underground racism uh, is very hard to address. So, um, you know, to kind of end this this long tangent, uh, there are, you know, movements happening right now to be able to teach Black Canadian history in schools because people are not being taught that. Wow. So, um, can, I'm sorry, can you say the name of um, the, the woman again who's on the $10 bill? Yeah, her name's Viola Desmond. So, uh, one, one thing I will say that, you know, since you, since you brought up Harriet Tubman, um, she's actually also supposed to be um, going on to the U.S. currency replacing um, Andrew Jackson. 
But unfortunately, uh, the current administration um, in the U.S. Um, has held up that process. So, um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I think that's really awesome and really dope. And like, I don't know, I, I just love to hear about, you know, you know, powerful black women everywhere. And so I, I definitely, you know, would love to like Google her. And even that story is just so interesting. Um, you know, in terms of, of the civil rights um, movement there. And um, yeah, so, so yeah, thank you for sharing. It wasn't a tangent. Um, it was actually, <laughs> I think, um, very valuable uh, insight about, you know, Canadian culture and, and relative to, um, to Black history as well. So going along with that um, here in the U.S., this summer, you know, there was like a huge shift towards celebrating Juneteenth, which is celebrated because two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was passed, slaves in Texas finally found out that they were free. And so in 1980, Texas made Juneteenth an official state holiday, but you know, kind of throughout the U.S., depending on which region you grew up in, you may not have heard of Juneteenth until, again, <laughs> maybe adulthood, um, college, etc. So a holiday that I've recently learned about, a uh, Canadian holiday, is Emancipation Day. So I was wondering if you can just share uh, a little bit more about Emancipation Day and, like, what exactly it is Um how is it celebrated, if it's celebrated? And then kind of going along with that, can you also tell us about Canada Day and um, maybe some of the traditions for celebrating that holiday? Because, um, again, going back to Juneteenth, a lot of African-Americans are, are starting to celebrate that as our official Independence Day since the traditional uh, holiday on the 4th of July. Black people were not free. Um, yeah, so I can tell you a little bit about Emancipation Day. Um, essentially, Emancipation Day is the day that uh, Britain decreed that all of the slaves uh, would be quote-unquote free um, across all of their colonies. So Canada was a British colony. You know, slavery was uh, meant to end here, as well as in the Caribbean, um, English Caribbean, that sort of thing. Uh, unfortunately, there aren't a ton of traditions that I'm aware of um, for how Canadians kind of celebrate. Again, I grew up in Toronto. Um, so actually, let me back up a little bit. So there aren't a lot of traditions that Canadians have around Emancipation Day because to celebrate Emancipation Day, you would have to know that slavery happened in Canada. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's that's a point of learning. This year, uh, because of Juneteenth, um, you know, we kind of looked inwards as Canadians and were able to look and see about Emancipation Day and about um, how, how uh, colonialism and how slavery um, impacted uh, Black Canadians. Now... Um, growing up in Toronto, there is a celebration called Caravana that happens every year. And it is a huge carnival 
um, that is celebrating, celebrating Caribbean culture. Now, it happens on our long weekend, also known as Civic Holiday, which is the first weekend in August. And um, a lot of people actually don't know that Caravana was um, scheduled on that, on that weekend because it's the closest to Emancipation Day. So it was actually specifically as a celebration of Blackness in Canada. Um, and it, it, it spans um, not only Canadian history, but also Caribbean history. So very interesting because it's the same Emancipation Day. Um, you know, there are, uh, like as a Caribbean person, there are other um, things that, you know, I celebrate. So for example, like, um, very close to Emancipation Day is Independence Day for Jamaica. So a lot of people actually thought that Caravana had something to do with that. Um, it is, in fact, uh, an Emancipation Day celebration. Um, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how how the Emancipation Day celebrations continue after this year. Now that people are, you know more aware of our history and more aware of, you know, blackness in Canada. Um, I'm really, I'm really excited to see it because I, I think that a lot of people felt disconnected. And I think that this is a thing that really um, brought a lot of the diaspora t- um, together. Well, can I just say, first of all, Caravana sounds really dope. (laughs) So listen, when they open up these borders, (laughs) just know. I'm coming. (laughs) Uh, There was no parade because of COVID. Of course. (laughs) You know, it it was still such a celebration. Like, even on Instagram, people were, like, playing music, going on lives, like, it was it was a fun time. Like people were um, all rode their bike down the same route um, because you know it's easier to socially distance on a bike. Um, it was it was still a celebration. Like you can you can take the carnival away from people, but we still all have carnival in our hearts. So <laughs> <laughs> we we are just a resilient people. Okay, <laughs> for sure. Uh, <laughs> COVID will not stop us. So I love that. Um, And actually kind of going along with that, because you, you know, you talked about how, you know, everything that's happening recently, how that, you know, kind of brought more um, awareness uh, to Emancipation Day and really kind of this, this push for celebrating that. And so in other words, I wanted to ask you, like, in terms of like, you know, in lieu of Breonna Taylor and, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, Black Lives Matter, and, and just this overall fight for justice and racial equality that we, you know, saw that kind of started um, in the U.S., but has really had impacts across the world. Um, and, and while we recognize that these issues won't be reconciled overnight, we have started to see conversations happening in corporate structures around representation and and so many other nuanced aspects of our culture, like the Confederate flags and and monuments being removed. And so I wanted to know, like, what influence have these events had in Canada? And are there 
impacts that you're starting to see in Toronto or beyond? Yeah, so I mean, uh, we have had a number of protests here. Um, there are a lot more eyes on uh, police departments across Canada, but especially in metropolitan areas. Um, there's a lot of critique towards uh, the RCMP, which is kind of, I guess, the equivalent of your FBI. Um, mm. Because um, I think, I'm not sure how it works in the States, but here um, in more rural areas, you have the RCMP who who um, is in charge of those areas as opposed to, you know, a city um, police station or or even a police station so it's it's like the canadian <laughs> police um is is in charge of this area essentially so um you are seeing a lot more uh attention being drawn to not only anti-black racism but anti-indigenous racism um you know we see a lot of parallels in canada for uh for in, in Indigenous folks, like in Canada, Indigenous people were enslaved um, alongside Black people. Um, and, you know, there there's missing and murdered Indigenous women who uh, people have no, like people, people are really not caring. Um, you know, Indigenous women are going missing all the time, showing up murdered. Um, and, and you are seeing a lot more inconsistencies within police departments for how these things are being handled. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a unique situation, um, uh, just given the Canadian landscape. But, uh, you know, in Toronto and um, the surrounding regions, uh, because there are so many... Uh, Black people and people of color relative to other areas in Canada. Um, there is a lot of attention towards that. Um, a, a police report that came out showed um, how, how racist and how discriminatory policing is in Toronto. And, you know, this is something that Black people have been saying for ages, but now we have uh, reports and statistics to back it up um there have there have been calls to defund the police here um unfortunately uh those calls were responded to uh by increasing the police budget um which you know there are a lot of opinions about um i i am still kind of learning how how some of our politics works like I'm not going to be I'm not going to lie to you like I'm not the um most well-versed but I am aware um that there have been so many calls to to defund these police services because it is shown that black people are statistically more likely to be harmed by these organizations um so you know uh people are still fighting people are still trying to um, fight for justice and equality or equity at, at the very least. Um, and 
And it's not uh, not necessarily getting to where it needs to be, but I think that that the effort is still there, and we're we're just trying to keep the momentum going. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say it definitely is a marathon and and not a sprint, and um, something that you know here in the U.S. as well that we just kind of have to continue um, to um, to push because. Uh, as you know, with like with like media now, you aren't seeing as much coverage, right? About all of these um, things that are that are happening, like here in the U.S., basically, you know, the election and all those things, which is important, but that's kind of like taken over. Um, and so, you know, so we have to continue to keep in the you know forefront that the policemen who murdered Breonna Taylor have not been arrested. Um, et cetera. And, you know, and really, um, again, just keeping accountability there. And uh, yeah. just to clarify, no, also for, um, and also just to clarify for any of our listeners, because, um, you know, when people hear defund the police, uh, it can it can be a very jarring statement if you don't understand what it means. And so I just want to, to make sure to explain that, you know, whether it's in the U.S. or Canada, when we when we uh, when you hear that phrase, defund the police, it is basically not saying that they shouldn't get any financing, but that um, some of their um, resources should be actually reallocated towards other um, areas within um, the government structure, such as social services, um, that would actually um, have a greater impact um, within communities, because as you mentioned, um, black and brown people are um, victims to police brutality, et cetera, um, profiling at a much higher rate. And so, um, and so, um, basically, we're saying, why don't we <laughs> give that money to um, agencies that actually will help improve um, these communities and not continue to brutalize them? So. Just wanted to make sure to put that out there as well, but um, very interesting to hear also that essentially, um, you know, what what we are experiencing here in the U.S., you all are experiencing in Canada as well. I think that there are uh, multiple perspectives on it. Like, you definitely do have uh, people who are pro-abolition. Um you have folks who want to reduce spending, um, that sort of thing. I think ultimately the point that is being made here, as you said, is redistribution of funds. Um, you know, for example, if there is a mental health crisis, is an armed um, person entering that space who has not been trained uh, deeply in that way? Are they the best person to respond to that? Or would it be a mental health professional who is, um, you know, trained in de-escalation and um, more aware of mental health um, illness, mental health or mental illnesses and um, uh, different ways that crisis, crises, sorry, uh, take form, right? So anyway. Exactly. Yes, not 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 here to enter a debate about whether or not it is to uh, it is right or not right to defund the police, um, but you know that's those are the conversations that we have definitely been seeing here. 
You know, and thank you for saying that, because I think that's a, a great example. And again, an, um, something that very much mirrors the conversations happening um, in the U.S. as well. And I think like what you said about mental health and, and really being able to have those professionals, <laughs> um, you know, working in, in tandem um, in our um, in our system, um, yeah, I, I think it it would be absolutely valuable. So thank you for pointing out that. So I would be uh, remiss uh, uh, since we are in the middle of a pandemic um, if if I didn't ask how Canada is doing um, in terms of of COVID cases and managing um, the spread of this virus. Um, so I'll, I'll start there. I have a couple other questions, but I'll, I'll start with that one. Yeah. Um, so I can't really speak for other parts of Canada. Um, okay. to be honest. I think that um, more rural areas, it's just, honestly just not as, uh, I don't know, it's not as big of an issue because the, stre- the spread is a lot um, lower because of the lower population density. Um, I live in Toronto. So... <laughs> That is one of the more densely populated areas in Canada. And, um, you know, I have been very, I've been very lucky and very blessed to be able to work from home. Um, That is not true for a lot of people. Um, But I will also say that, um, you know, we have, we have seen a lot of support for people who have lost their jobs as a result of COVID. Um, I think that that is now coming to an end as of, I want to say this month, either that or the end of last month. And so we're now starting to see um, some of the impacts that are a little bit um, harder to deal with, right? Like you have people who can't afford to stay away from work, um, but they also, uh, you know, are, are at risk of contracting a virus, right? And and I, I've, I've kind of spoken about this before. You you see people who are uh, often lower income workers um, having to go back to work sooner, right? Like myself, I am a marketing manager, so I don't actually have to go back to work until at least next year. And they're suggesting that I might not go back until um, there's a vaccine, right? <laughs> like that, that could be a very long time, right? Whereas someone who is, I don't know, say a hairdresser, for example, has um, been asked to go back to work, right? So you, you are now starting to see Um, divisions along um, socioeconomic lines and uh, you're you're also you know in turn starting to see it'll see um, higher infection rates again uh, along racial lines sorry so you know it it, it's it's disappointing to see Um, and I think that there have been changes recently in legislation. So, you you know, all of that to say that Canada started out, I think, very well. Um, But I think that, you know, the economic impact is um, making it such that people are now starting to be affected in different ways. 
um, yeah, kids are starting to go back to school in September, and uh, in 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 high school, I think they have the option to uh, to work from home, so to speak, to, so to do online classes. Whereas elementary school and lower, I want to say, um, are forced to go into classrooms. So you have kids in kindergarten who are supposed to be wearing masks at in a classroom with like 20 students in it and you know they're expected not to touch each other like four-year-olds are expected not to you know like touch their mouth and their face and their eyes and touch other kids and you know play with their mask and all of this stuff so it it's um we're we're seeing well all right i anticipate that we'll see um more cases start to pop up around September. Um, and even then, uh, you know, again, the socioeconomic lines will uh, really be divisive here because kids who get to go to private school, kids who get to be homeschooled, that sort of thing, um, will have a different experience with this. Yeah, I, I I think, you know, everything that you just shared, again, <laughs> mirrors uh, what is happening in the, the U.S. as well. You know, when we talk about, like, essential workers, et cetera, like, like you mentioned, and the fact that, you know, um, many of them are what, you know, what we would call minimum wage employees, right? And so... Um, and so, yeah, I think the socioeconomic factor, uh, I mean, it's huge. I mean, we, could, we could do a whole episode about that because um, it's real. And then as far as the schools are concerned, because the directive was given from uh, the, the president that, that he wants schools to be open, um, then it's been left up to each state on how they want to execute that. And, um, and so uh, in, in the state uh, where I reside in Florida, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's managed county by county and, and uh, the governor, uh, you know, has pretty much just been in alignment with whatever the, the actual president says about these things. And so therefore, um, by the end of this month, um, all schools, um, have to, to be back in session and, um, and, and be, um, offering an option of in-person learning. And I say offering an option because, you know, again, it's determined by county. So the county that I live in, they uh, made a few different options available. Um, whether it is the, the, there's like a couple of versions of the virtual learning, like one that's live and then one that's like more on demand. And then of course the in-person um, classroom experience actually just started yesterday. Um, and for, again, for our county, um, but uh, like I said, it varies from state to state. So for example, um, my niece, lives in Maryland and they will be doing the distance learning through the end of this year at least but yes <laughs> so it's 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 um yeah it's it's very interesting I, I will say on a personal note you know I just always keep the the students the parents and the teachers in my prayers because I think it is 
an unfortunate position um, that many of them have been put into, especially, again, when you kind of go back to the whole socioeconomic element of it. So much to unpack there, my sister. Um, but uh, again, thank you for, you know, kind of sharing uh, about what's happening in, in Toronto specifically. And also, I wanted to ask you more on a personal note. So I know you mentioned that you've been working from home and that you are a marketing manager. Um, so I just wanted to ask how quarantine was for you initially and how is it now? Um, and also, um, I know that you love to cook and bake. Uh, we actually talked about that a little bit the first time that I met you. Um, and um, your your love for food. And, you know, of course, I always see you posting these beautiful dishes uh, that you've crafted on Instagram. Uh, so uh, also just wondering what are some of your favorite um, dishes that you've made during quarantine? Yeah, so to answer your first question, how is quarantine before? How is it now? Honestly, I still see kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I I feel a bit bad saying this. I'm not going to lie to you because obviously what's happening right now is very um, it's very tough for a lot of people. It's extremely challenging. Um, for myself, because of the situation that I'm in, I have been very lucky to be able to, um, you know, have a relatively positive quarantine. Um, I didn't realize actually <laughs> what an undercover introvert I am. Um, and so I was forced to stay home and I was like, I like this so much more. <laughs> I was like, why don't I stay home more? This is great. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, I, I feel like I've been able to get more work done. I've been able to kind of like center myself a little bit more, um, and feel, I, f I feel a lot more, um, relaxed, I guess. Um, because, you know, living in the city, going to work, I work in an open concept environment, um, you know, doing all of those things, you actually don't realize how much like mental noise is going on, right? There's like physical noise, but then there's also a bunch of like stuff going on in your head. Like, oh, I have to catch, you know, the train to be able to get to my job. I have to be able to, um, you know, cram into this transit with a bunch of people. I have to um, you know, sit in my office where everyone's kind of talking and bustling and moving around. Um, and this has really given me a chance to be still. It's really given me a chance to kind of, um, you know, get, get, get a little closer with myself. Um, because I think that, you know, when you're always moving, you don't always get the chance to like sit and just be with yourself. So, um, uh, this has been a really positive experience in that way for me. Um, and yes, I love to cook and I love to bake. So, <laughs> um, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not eating out because of COVID. But really, <laughs> so many opportunities to cook and bake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been experimenting with different cuisines, different things that I've wanted to bake. You know, everyone was baking bread at the beginning and I've slowed down, but I have not stopped um, because I think that it's such a novelty to be able to bake your own bread. Um, because, you know, when I'm working nine to five, to be able to find a time to do that is kind of weird, right? Like 
you know, if you're getting up and taking transit to work or whatever the case may be, you don't necessarily have the time to be able to proof the bread and make sure that it rises at a proper time so that you don't end up with bread at like 3 a.m., right? <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's been really enjoyable to me. I think the, my favorite dish that I've made, that's, that's a, a bit of a hard one. Uh, I, I'm really liking a lot of the things that I've been making. Um, mm, I... Okay, so the other day, I wanted to make pad thai, which feels very, like, like, growing up in Toronto, that feels very basic to me, like, <laughs> like you can get pad thai pretty easily, um, but I was like, no, I'm going to make the most authentic pad thai, and so I got a recipe from a Thai woman and made my own tamarind sauce to put in it, and, like, like I went, like, over the top when I tell you I went over the top like I took fresh tamarinds and like like ground it down <laughs> into a paste and then used that to make um to make the noodles and stuff it, it ended up being very delicious it took way too much time so I don't know if I'll do it again um I'll, I'll probably buy a pre-made paste but <laughs> um that was that was a lovely thing that I made I, I really enjoyed it uh, that's okay for me pad thai sounds like um a delicious dish dish but as you mentioned very extensive um, in the in the preparation uh so but but that's impressive and i know you make all kinds of like beautiful pastries i mean it it looks like you know items that would be like on food network like that kind of level um of baking so <laughs> I commend you. Uh, I will say, I think I, I have discovered, um, well, in terms of, in terms of, you know, baking, cooking, all that good stuff. Um, I love, and, and I feel like I was just sleeping on it before. Cause my mom has always been a fan of a crock pot. Right. So I had one here, but honestly, like usually it was only used when my when my uh, my mom uh, or my parents would come to visit, and now I mean I've been let me tell you how much I love the crock pot. I realized oh it's kind of small. It's like a it's like a three quart one. I was like oh I need a bigger one <laughs> for like you know making uh, certain items, and uh, so anyway so yes I actually found another crock pot on um sale um and that's like seven quarts and so so yeah but um but sometimes I mean I still like depending on what I'm making I'll still let you but I'm just like what have I been doing like with my life why haven't I not been making these crock pot meals um because I feel like the meat is just so tender like chicken and like you know um it's all kinds of stuff. I'm just like, what, what have I been doing with my life? Also, um, I love making smoothies. And so I pretty much decided that like, I don't, I personally don't see a reason why I would like ever buy a smoothie from an establishment again. Cause I'm like, my smoothies are the bomb. <laughs> so, um, and you know, everything that's going inside of it. Exactly. Um, and then also I will say though, most consistently I make salads. Um, and I really, 
have like fallen in love with making my own like salads. <laughs> um, and so again, kind of like similar concept of like, yeah, I don't really know if, I mean, I'm sure I'll still buy one here and there from an establishment, but again, I'm like, my salads are good. Like you said, I know what's going in it. And quite frankly, I, I like that it doesn't take like as well, it's, you know, obviously salads are good for you. And also it doesn't take as much prep time as cooking because I'm just worn out girl. Like after, after, you know, making a meal while it's delicious, I'm worn out. Whereas a salad, I feel like, Oh, okay. Like I'm good. You know? <laughs> um, so, so yeah. And, um, also just a quick kind of, um, I don't, I don't want to say a sidebar, but maybe a note, um, because you are a marketing manager, I just want to ask, are you still like, do you still work in like the podcast realm, uh, or, Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So actually, this is my last week working in podcasts, and I honestly want to cry. <laughs> um, I've moved over to uh, TV, um, which is like really great and exciting. But um, you know, I I have a very special place in my heart for podcasts. So, um, you know, it would be great to be able to do both, but unfortunately, I had to choose one. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I had to move over to TV, but I hope and suspect that I'll probably be back in the, um, podcast realm soon enough. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, cause, so I, I wanted to ask if, if you, you know, what, whatever you can share. Cause like, so podcast movement, they had like podcast movement university, uh, mm-hmm. last month, I believe it was, and it was like free. And it was just like, you know, it was just like one afternoon of different courses. And so um, there was someone who was, you know, giving different statistics about, you know, podcast listening, et cetera. And, um, you know, and kind of like the uptick <laughs> that was seen, of course, like in March and April, especially um, when everyone, you know, for the most part was in quarantine and then kind of May and and, and June kind of how, um you know, some of those listening patterns changed. And I was just curious, like, you know, any insight that you might have about that as well? Yeah. um, So the most recent, um, like, in-depth look that I've really taken at podcasts was um, back when COVID uh, first started, Um, just as far as, like, reports and studies go. Right. I did see that COVID did take a big hit or uh, did – give the podcast industry a big hit rather um just because people weren't commuting as much people weren't um doing their regular routines people were really focused on the news and um you know everything else going on um that you know leisure listening wasn't exactly on the top of their list um and I think podcasts are kind of things that people do while doing other things right like even if it's just like you know going on a walk or, you know, riding the train, something like that, that is, um, podcasts because it's not visual, it's less of a, um, you know, you have to sit down and do it sort of activity. Um, but you know, since then we have seen, um, uh, an increase. I don't believe to my knowledge, I don't believe that it has reached the numbers before COVID. Um, but you know, I'm looking to see how how things change in um, like September ish. Like I know I know your school year starts a little bit earlier, but 
um, you know, like our fall start of year uh, is around September. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to know how um, that return to routine is going to impact um, podcast listening. Well, yeah, I think it's, I think it'll definitely be interesting. Um, yeah, just kind of over time. And, um, but, but right now, you know, I, I will say like, um, I think to some extent, like as a podcaster, um, it's kind of given, given like more opportunity, <laughs> um, you know, this time of, of like, as you mentioned before, like being still and um, being at home more and, you know, you know, uh, having to like record remotely um, as opposed to in a studio or, or whatever your setup might be. So, yeah, cool. Well, uh, I will say before we move on, so congrats to you <laughs> on uh, transitioning over to TV and, uh, and, and don't forget about us in podcast land. Okay. <laughs> I could never. <laughs> Uh, so okay so another question I want to ask you so basically um you know right now obviously the the borders are still closed um due to the pandemic um and you know in the past few years I've been to Toronto uh Niagara Falls Niagara on the Lake Vancouver um really really loved like visiting all these beautiful cities in in Canada and um as you know, I definitely want to come back to Toronto because I want to catch a Raptors game uh, during basketball season. Um, and also, ultimately, I would love to just visit like all the different provinces in Canada. And so I wanted to ask you, whenever the borders do open up again, do you have any recommendations of places in Canada or in Toronto um, that you think people should put on their list to explore? Yeah, so, hmm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my Canadian traveling experience is um, limited, and here's why, right? Like, in the state, you can travel from, like, one state to another, and it'll cost you, like, 30, 50 bucks. Here... <laughs> I literally, like, I have found um, flights to, like, South America and to the Caribbean that are cheaper than me going the province over. So, <laughs> you know, for me, it's all it's always, like, a trade-off, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm traveling in, in Canada. I just find it expensive, so I usually go somewhere else. Um, but uh, two shameless plugs. Here we go. One... <laughs> Um, on my Instagram, um, I have a question and answer, um, video series that is on hiatus right now, but it will be coming back soon. Um, one of the questions in there is what are the top five things to do in Toronto? Um, you know, as you said, you've been to, um, like you want to see a Raptors game and that sort of thing. Obviously I would highly recommend it. Um, my favorite thing to do in Toronto is eat. <laughs> I, I think you have so many cultures in one place, almost in the same way that you see for like New York. Obviously New York is like a much higher population. Um, 
but you you have so many people in one place and so you get all of these different cuisines um and they're all like you know really like just really beautifully made i i okay please forgive me because i'm gonna drag the states a little bit but i do not mean to i i find as a canadian traveling to the states i'm not always a huge fan of the food sometimes i like it sometimes i don't um in toronto i find just because you have people coming from um from like their countries and really like setting up a, a truly authentic restaurant and you have all of these like like we're in the um green belts as they call it um so it's like along an agricultural belt so we have a lot of really fresh ingredients coming to um Toronto so i just find like the food is really really vibrant here so if anything i would say definitely eat if you're on the west coast in vancouver um definitely eat the fish <laughs> can you tell i like to eat <laughs> um but also my partner and i are doing um uh series a travel series called 144 promises um which is where we go to 144 different destinations and obviously because of covid we can't uh travel outside of the country right now um to a lot of different places so we're starting to look in the um Ontario region so the province that Toronto's in um so we have lavender farms on there we we have um different wineries and different things so um you will start to see those pictures roll out soon um but if you ever want to get a good idea of like what to do while in um while in Canada um that would be a good place to look and the handle is 144 promises um and it's just on Instagram I love that okay love 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 that and I'll have you probably repeat that again at the end um but I love that title mm-hmm. and uh yeah so I will say since since as you put it you just <laughs> you just dragged the US which actually you didn't that wasn't that wasn't, that wasn't too bad i wasn't quite sure what you were going to say <laughs> but i think your observation was actually a a fair one you know sometimes you might like the food sometimes you might not but what i do want to ask you uh just uh out of curiosity um since since you have traveled to the US so often what have been your top 3 favorite places to visit in the US and why so um one my favorite place probably in the world is new orleans like i cannot tell you how much i love that city it is ah oh, it's beautiful i love it so so much and i know um covid has definitely hit it quite hard um but i i cannot wait to go back because it is just such a lovely city like again food wise love it like honestly i travel based on food like <laughs> this is this is how i operate so um that's really beautiful i think the fact that um i felt kind of a connection to my um caribbean heritage there was interesting um because i think that there are a lot of similar traditions 
Um, and so I really enjoyed um, kind of looking around and seeing um, so much blackness, so much, um, you know, vibrancy again. Like it just, it felt like I was home. And I really like that in a city. Um, so I love there. Um, I really like New York. I have traveled to New York too many times to be proud of. <laughs> I think there was one year. Um, this was for work, but um, I always used to stay a little bit longer to get an extra couple of days in. But like there was one year where I literally, literally traveled to New York, I think about 10 times. And so <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I love that city so, so much. And even just the different boroughs, there's so much personality. Um, you know, Brooklyn's being gentrified right now, but um, again, that was a place where I was able to see myself a little bit um, because of the Caribbean heritage there. Um, and just seeing how people are just so free there. Like, you can walk down the street and just hear amazing music just bumping, you know? You can... Um, like go into a store and just, you know, see all different kinds of new and interesting things. Like there are so many creators there. There are so many artists and, you know, just, you, you can just see the like breadth of humanity there because there are just so many people from all over the world just collected in one area. And honestly, I just think it's, it's such a beautiful city. Um, and then I guess my third one, I'm a little bit torn. I think, I know you're going to hate me because I, I, I met you in um, Florida, but I would say that um, my third favorite is probably, probably LA. Um, I like LA a lot. I mean, I don't think I could live there uh, because I don't think that the energy is 100% for me, but I like having all sun all the time. Um, I... I found it, um, I found it more chill than I had expected. Like I, I expected, um, LA to be very like busy and rush, rush, rush. Um, but it almost gave me, gave me the same vibe as like Toronto, but with more sun and, uh, surprisingly more laid back. Um, you know, I, I felt like people were a little bit more connected to, um, you know, like the their environment and stuff like that there and so like just seeing um like I think people make fun of this people like seeing like oh this product um could cause you know this like this illness right um that was the first time I had ever seen that but like in California it specifically says like hey this this could impact your body in this way. And I found that so um, innovative. Like, I found that so interesting. And I, I appreciated that, you know? Even in Toronto, we don't have that. So um, just seeing the, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, the, seeing the relationship between um, the community and the rest of the world, I thought was really interesting. Okay, well, I will first I'll say those are those are all like fair answers. <laughs> I am I am first of all not offended because I'm originally from Tennessee, even though I've been a Floridian for many years now. So 
it's all good. Um, <laughs> but I will briefly comment on each of your choices and first say New Orleans um, is is beautiful, as you mentioned. And um, that's actually the place that our family, um, we, we do a family reunion every July, like literally since I was in my mother's wound. And we've been doing destination reunions for um, for like over 20 years now. Um, you know, during, during some of these, um, summers and New Orleans is actually the place that we have in terms of destinations that we've been to the most, um, because we love the essence festival. And like you said, there's so many other offerings there, you know, in addition to that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'll put it this way. That is a respectable choice. Um, New, New York, uh, a couple things. First of all, when I went to Toronto, I actually felt like it was basically a cleaner <laughs> version of New York. And, um, and I do, I will say it is not necessarily my favorite place to visit, but it is one of like, I feel like my favorite places to visit in the U S for sure. Um, cause I feel like there's just always an adventure there. Um, and actually last summer, um, I went, with my parents and one of my aunts for the first time, um, you know, there, I don't actually, I don't think my mom had been there before at all. Um, but anyway, I, I'm really thankful that I was able to like, you know, kind of get that trip in with them because, you know, I don't know, I don't know when, you know, we'll all go back to New York together. Um, but it was really cool. And, you know, we did one of my favorite touristy things, which is riding a double decker bus. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so anyway, so much respect to New York and, um, you know, again, prayers for them because they were initially the epicenter of, of the, um, virus in the u.s but you know due to the great leadership they had um they have you know of course been able to manage it and and um you know try to kind of get back not to normal because we nobody's going back to normal but you know but they have been able to open up their city more and then la i'll just briefly say i mean who doesn't love visiting la (laughs) right like it's fun it's unlike any other (laughs) place um so so, yeah, so I respect all of your options there. <laughs> Thank you. And I actually have been to Essence Fest. So I, I was like, oh, I'm for sure going to go this year. And then COVID happened, right? But you have inspired me to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's just, when I tell you, it's just like Black girl magic everywhere and just like a community. Um, just, a, it's, yeah, it's, yes, you have to check it out whenever they have it again. This year they did like a virtual one, which is pretty cool. I think you can still probably access um, some, like, you know, they had different performances and a panel, like panels. And yeah, it's it's just like a big old family reunion. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's awesome. So actually, um, speaking of like you know like all this black excellence and all these things, um, earlier <laughs> uh, you know you mentioned Drake and and I feel like for like in in the U.S. when I think about like you know famous black Canadians, um, of course you know most people have heard of Drake, uh, Tamia, uh, Deborah Cox. And then, um, like, I recently found out on Instagram that Cree Summer, who um, is best known for 
her role on A Different World as Freddie, but she also does like an abundance of voice over work that she is actually uh, a dual citizen. But I wanted to know, are there any other like black Canadian celebrities that, you know, from like pop culture um, that you think that, you know, we as, as black people, we should know about or celebrate? I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I feel like such a granny. Like, <laughs> honestly, I'm not up on, um, on all of the pop culture. It's, it's terrible, but I think a lot of Canadians listen to American music um, and enjoy uh, American content. Um, hmm, that, that's actually a hard one. I, I, honestly, I don't think I have enough knowledge to be able to speak on it. I, I have friends who are like, very much into like the um to the scene as they say <laughs> so like very much into like underground um artists and um like up and coming um actress actors and actresses i think covid honestly has put a stop to a lot of that stuff like summertime is really the time where you um go out to different concerts and like sit on patios and do all of that stuff. And you kind of learn who's um, new and who's kind of up and coming um, for this year. So honestly, I feel like I, I have really missed out on that on top of me being a granny. So <laughs> um, yeah, but if I think of any, I'll share them with you for sure. Yeah, no, I was just curious. I mean, like, I, honestly, I get it. You know, <laughs> I think uh, pop culture, you know, is is definitely relative. But, you know, I was just trying to make sure if there was anybody who, you know, who we're forgetting, which, by the way, I mean, I, you know, I, the, all the, the people that I aforementioned, especially the women, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, no, no disrespect to Drake, but I'm just saying, I love me some Tamia, <laughs> Deborah Cox, and, and like, a different world is one of my favorite shows of all time. So, um, so yeah, so Cree Summer, I, you know, I think she's dope as well. It's actually um, funny you bring that up though. I'm actually, sorry. Sorry. It's actually funny you bring that up though, because, um, you know, I actually just finished working on a podcast, um, called This Is Not a Drake Podcast. I'm not a producer or anything. So don't ask me any serious questions, but, um, it, it kind of talks about, um, Drake and uses him as a catalyst for, um, talking about all of the other, um, changes in hip hop and, um, also in R&B, just black, black culture in general. And like, it's almost like a Trojan horse, right? It's, you know, Drake, but then there's all of these giants whose shoulders he's standing on top of so it kind of like on one of the episodes it actually talked about um all of these canadian musicians um who who created the toronto hip-hop music scene um i would recommend giving that a listen if you're actually curious to know um about about any toronto artists like these these guys are legends um and actually it wasn't until i was an adult and i started having like more American friends that I'd be like, oh, you know this person? And they'd be like, no, who is that, right? Because I think, like, America can kind of be a bubble, and sometimes um, sometimes Toronto can be a bubble. And, uh, you know, I just assume that everyone knows a lot of these, like, Canadian artists, but 
not everyone does. So um, definitely check out that podcast because it is, um, it's a really good listen. And okay, say the name of it again. This is not a Drake podcast. Cool. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. You know, um, and speaking of, of Drake and you mentioned the bubble, I'll just say really quickly. So, you know, the NBA, they're playing in a bubble right now <laughs> and, uh, in Florida, actually. Yep. And um, so I'm sure this is killing Drake because, you know, we always see him on the sidelines um, at the Raptors games. He's like their ambassador. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, by the way, also I have to shout out that the Raptors, um, when they arrived in Florida, they had um, a beautiful Black Lives Matter um, rap on their bus. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I'll just, I'll, I, no shade. I don't, I don't know. That, I don't know that they're going to be a top contender this year because, you know, Kawhi has moved on to the Clippers, but uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave that right there. <laughs> don't do this to my Raptors. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm sorry. I just, I just, you know, I still look, I still love them. I'm just saying, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> all right. So a uh, couple more uh, questions for you and then uh, want to play a game here at the end. So, you know, despite all that's happening in our world, right. Um, the holidays are actually right around the corner and so um, I wanted to ask you if, do you celebrate Boxing Day? And if so, like, can you share a little bit about that holiday and, and how you celebrate it? Um, so Boxing Day is uh, like not, I don't know if it's really a holiday. Like I know I get the day off, but I don't know if everyone does. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just a day where everyone goes shopping. <laughs> um, I know that um, for some people, uh, you know, th- there are people in um, the States and Canada who celebrate, like, Kwanzaa. I think that day is the first day of... Um, yes, yes, it is. First day of yes. Um, but beyond that, I don't know if there are, like, too many traditions, like, I know um, a lot of my family members kind of get together and um, do a little bit of a celebration. Like for us, Christmas is kind of like a week long affair, <laughs> sometimes more. So, um, you know, from anywhere between like the week before Christmas to um, to New Year's, we're kind of doing celebrations. So uh, I don't know if there's any like specific Canadian celebration. Maybe some people have them, but um, I don't personally know. Interesting. So it's kind of like Black Friday, yeah. but on the but on the day after Christmas, and like you said, it is the first day of Kwanzaa as well. So, yeah, it's funny though that you mentioned Black Friday because for Black Friday, so they started do like this is kind of how uh, how life works, you know, when people start moving around a lot more. But when I was growing up, we didn't actually have Black Friday. Like that was not a thing that we did in Canada. And, um, you know, years later, like, you know, with the rise of the internet and social media and stuff, you start having um, Canadian Black Friday because we don't have Thanksgiving on the same day as you guys, right? And then they're like, no, 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 we need to do American, we need to do American Black Friday. So then sometimes you'll see Canadian Black Friday 
and then Black Friday, and then Boxing Day. <laughs> uh, but I, I always just think it's kind of funny how Canadians will, like, in some ways, like, follow American culture. <laughs> Listen, they said, uh, they're like, why Why would we just shop, like, one day when we could shop three? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, of course, um, in in the U.S., they've, they've kind of, I've seen different articles about how, you know, a lot of the retailers are planning to start Black Friday significantly earlier, um, et cetera. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and some places are um, even, you know, actually that didn't normally close on Thanksgiving. They're actually going to give their um, employees um, the holiday off, which I think is pretty huge because a lot of it is, you know, those major retailers who have been deemed essential, right? Um, so I think it's um, very nice that they're actually going to give them off Thanksgiving this year. So, um, okay, so my final question for you before we uh, launch into our game, uh, are there any misconceptions about Canada or uh, Canadians <laughs> that you would like to share any insight on and also um, is there just anything in general that you think people should know about Canada that we haven't covered yet? Oh man, Canadians are going to hate me for coming on an American podcast and dragging them, but <laughs> um, I think the biggest misconception about Canada is that Canadians are nice. It's not true. Like, we're very polite, but I don't think that Canada is like like exclusively full of nice people. I just think that um, there are just different ways, like different cultural things um, for how how we interact. But I don't know if it's like like particularly nicer or um, you know more kind than the states. Um. Yeah, I, 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 it's actually funny too because, like, um, just like pulling back to our earlier piece of conversation, which was, um, you know, reacting to, um, like police brutality and things like that. Um, you know, we often hear Canadians say, like, oh, well, at least we're not the state. And, you know, for me, stuff like that is very, um, it's, it's quite dismissive, actually, of, like, real issues that are going on. Um, but it, Canadians almost wear it like a badge of honor. Like, we're not the States. <laughs> like, um, you know, like, Canadians are so nice. But uh, I, I really want, I kind of want that um, dialogue to change a little bit and to be a little bit more fair, not only to Canadians, but to the States. Um so that, you know, we can be more accountable for our decision-making and, you know, like, really self-reflect. So it's, it's a positive stereotype, but um, I think it can have negative consequences. So I wish that would change. Um, and then uh, as far as, like, um, letting people know something about Canada, um, I don't know. Like, I would really want people to know how rich um, – how rich of a culture there is. Like, I, I think, um, you know, I did just say, you know, Canadians often do follow um, a lot of the things that 
Americans do, uh, just as far as like pop culture and that sort of thing. Um, but I really, I really wish, uh, people knew how much talent we have here, how much diversity we have here. Um, and just like the nuances of Canadian people. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I will say I, my first um, time coming to, to to Canada and specifically Toronto, um, you know, I actually was already in my 30s. And uh, so I think, um, you know, I, one thing that, you know, I, I'll put this way, not that I, I don't want to say I have any regrets necessarily, but I do wish that I had started visiting Canada a little bit earlier in life, especially since it's just, you know, um, well, at the time, <laughs> traveling was, you know, a little more uh, seamless. And there was even, you know, a point in time where you didn't actually need a passport um, to go between the borders. But, you know, so I'd been to other places kind of abroad before I had even come to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I feel like, and, and I could be wrong, right? Because like you said, it is such a rich culture, but I feel like, you know, um, Canadians in general certainly travel to the, to the U S you know, um, at some point usually. Um, so anyway. Yeah. I mean, how could you be beside like one of the most like <laughs> nations in the world and not, not go see what's up, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it is a beautiful place. Like I said, once I, once I uh, came to visit Toronto, I was like, yeah, I, I definitely um, want to explore more of this beautiful nation. So thank Absolutely. you for, um, for um, all of your, you know, insights. And um, I, uh, now I want to play actually a, a game with you. So, um, I, so just to give you a little background, basically I, I got inspired um, from Jamel Hill, who has a podcast um, on Spotify that I love. And at the end of her podcast, she plays this game called This or That. And then um, a couple months ago, I was on uh, a webcast um, called Late Night Hype, um, night, like K-N-I-G-H-T. Um, and the host, her name is Patricia Hartley. She's really dope. So anyway, actually, I met her at Podcast Movement. And so she had me on her webcast, and we played this game at the end, um, and it was a lot of fun. So anyway, I just decided, like, uh, I mean, my game is not like either of their games, but I just, I just thought it might be fun to incorporate <laughs> a game at the end of this interview. Don't know that this will happen, you know, <laughs> on future episodes, but I'm just, you know, going with it. So, um, so basically I am a, a, a nerd. And so I, I love like dictionary.com and I have the app and like, you know, I get my little notifications each day about the word of the day. And coincidentally, um, last week I, I, like, you know, they'll have different articles come up. And there was this article that came up about Canadian English words. Um, and so, uh, so they, they had like, I want to say they had like 10 different words, but, but I just decided to take like six of them. Um, and so anyway, so I wanted to ask you, uh, like about, uh, the Canadian definition of these, I should say words or phrases, um, and then, you know, and then I'll, I'll share like an American context if, if like, you know, 
if anybody gets lost along the way, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So this first word is Z Z E D. <laughs> okay, so I think I think this is like what you guys call the letter Z. Sorry, I'm not exactly sure. exactly no exactly. It was really interesting too because yeah, the article said like like most other you know nations um, actually like have you know say Z, but we say Z. Um, yeah. And and I will say I've noticed something. So I actually have um, uh, one of the pastors at my church. He's Canadian, and there are certain words that he says that like we usually um, put an I on, or not an I, excuse me, an S. Um, and so, but he so he'll say, and we say conversation. He says conversation. Um, he says resource, and it's just I don't know. It's very uh, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely do that. I don't say resource. I say resource. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this this next one, um, it it says it's. I I will say it's from a different province. So so like if you're not familiar, like it's all good. Um, but uh, the the phrase actually is bunny hug. I knew this was gonna come up. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. So, okay, for for clarity, as you said, we do not say this in Ontario. Um, I want to say that's, like, either West Coast or, like, or, sorry, either um, Prairies or Maritimes. But they, they'll they say, like, bunny hug to mean, like, hoodie. Uh, <laughs> I And I guess that's, like, a really cute way of saying it, right? <laughs> like, it sounds like, Nice, but like bunny hug, it's like, oh, you get a little cuddle from a bunny. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually, I mean, I'm here for it. Uh, <laughs> I, I love it. It says it's from um, Saskatchewan, that that particular province. So, yeah, so that's what's the thing. See, you knew that one. Come on. <laughs> that's impressive. Because um, I, I, met a girl from Saskatchewan who I spent like quite a lot of time with around high school and so I learned that one from her but otherwise if you had asked me you know before that or if I had never never met her I would have no idea wow cool okay so next word uh Chesterfield so (laughs) the couch (laughs) And, you know, I feel like, I feel like, um, it's like a lot of older people say that, who say that, like, I don't really know a lot of people who say that, um, as much now, but like my friend's parents and like my friend's grandparents, especially always used to be like, oh, it's on the Chesterfield. They're like beside the Chesterfield. Um, and I don't know the origin of it, but I just find it very funny. Yeah, I mean, it just, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like a long way of saying couch, you know, like couch is one syllable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's see, this next phrase, um, it's actually, it's two names, Roger and Larry. Ooh, that one I actually don't know, Roger, Larry. 
Roger, so, uh, Roger, Roger and Larry, yeah. So according to the article, it said that Roger, it, like, is is basically right, and Larry is left. So like, when people give directions, <laughs> they'll they'll so use. So I'm not gonna lie to you. Now that you said it in that context, I know what you're talking about. Like literally yesterday, I was walking with my friend, and he was like, "Oh, we're gonna hang a Larry over here." <laughs> <laughs> So I don't hear Roger as much, but I definitely hear Larry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. So yeah, it's more like, I guess, directional uh, lingo there. Okay. This next one is very interesting. Uh, so would love any insight that you have about this one, um, if you're familiar with it. A stag and doe party. Yeah, so a stag and doe, I don't know if you guys have this. Um we do not. <laughs> okay. So a second dough is kind of like a, like an engagement party or like, it's not really like a bachelor or bachelorette party. But basically, what essentially the concept is, um, people, so, so, okay. Basically, people will have a party for all of, all of their friends and like, it's like the, like, Couples friends and like extended friends, right? Um, but a lot of people will use it to like raise money for their wedding. I don't know if that's like traditional or what, but I have definitely seen that more in my adulthood. Like, I think the first time I saw that was like about 10 years ago. And basically, people will like play games and like do different things and, um, yeah, help use it to like help fund their, their wedding. Um, but you, I think you can have just like a stag and doe that is just like a party with your friends to say like, oh, I'm getting married. Um, but it's it's not really with like like your family, like your like older family and stuff like that. It's usually like a younger people's thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the the main distinction there is like the fundraising part of it. Um, cause we do, you know, in the U S we, you know, some people have engagement parties and, um, and some, you know, may choose to have like bachelorette, um, bachelor parties, those kinds of things, but yeah, not necessarily a specific fundraiser, even though, um, you know, obviously people will like bring gifts and stuff like that to the wedding, but yeah. So I just like, Hmm. <laughs> Can I comment on that? <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> I, I, I'm not married yet, but I don't, I, I, like, I've never been in this situation, but I feel like I couldn't, I couldn't get away with a second joke, you know? <laughs> I just feel like to be like, because it, it's not, only, it's not only people who are invited to the wedding, but it's like people who aren't necessarily invited to your wedding. So you have like a bunch mm-hmm. of and people who you like kind of know being like, you know, Hey, I didn't invite you to my wedding, but like, please give me money to fund it. You know, <laughs> to me, that's a bit, um, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit tacky for, to me personally, but, um, uh, you know, if that's for you, if that's your ministry, like roll with it. Um, I don't think, I don't think that I have, you know, I don't think I have the, um, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I, I don't think I could do that with a straight face. Like, I don't think I would be able to pull it off, but I'm shout out to those who can. <laughs> it is, it is very common to be fair. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah, especially like you said, if if they're not invited to the wedding. Um, But yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's here's the last uh, word that I have for you. Parkade. Parkade? That's like a um, like parking garage. Exactly. Yeah. I actually like that one. Because, <laughs> see, now that one's efficient, okay? Because <laughs> we say parking garage. That's like two words. Parkade. I'm like, oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you see that a lot on signs, like, I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Like, I get it real short and just say parking. But um, <laughs> if someone said, like, oh, I parked in the parkade, that would give me, like, a clear understanding of where they park. So it's not just, like, um, yeah, it's, like, usually I think multi-level, like, it's not, it's not as though it's just, like, a, a lot, you know? It's, gotcha. It's, yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's all the words <laughs> that I, I have for you. Great job. See, look at that. You you know, <laughs> you know your Canadian culture. <laughs> you know how to explain it very well. <laughs> um, but seriously, thank you for just like all of your insights today. I know we talked about a lot of different things, and um, and again, I'm I'm very thankful that you know throughout this year. Um, since we since we met at podcast movement that we've just continued to stay connected and um, I thought you know for this season we're celebrating brown girls abroad so um, we should definitely you know talk to you a, a dynamic Canadian woman so thank you so much for uh, being part of brown girl radiance podcast mm, thank you it's always a pleasure I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Selena. You can follow her on Instagram at Selena Rachel Mendez. Also, if you want to follow her travel adventures and recommendations, you can follow 144 Promises on Instagram. I look forward to sharing more stories with you from Brown Girls Abroad on this season of Brown Girl Radiance Podcasts. So let's continue collecting those passport stamps. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, please share it with a friend so that we can continue to celebrate and shine together. Brown Girl Radiance Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, CastBox, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. If you want to stay connected to Brown Girl Radiance Podcast, you can follow me on Instagram at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast. You can feel free to email me at Brown Girl Radiance Podcast at gmail.com.